Are you just trying to be the automatic YouTube thumbnail again? Stop smiling at the camera, Olivia. Okay. Welcome to the Jackson... What? What were you trying to do there? I was trying so hard in the whole sentence to roll one R, and I realized as I was talking that there was no R, so I tried to put it somewhere else. And it you totally... tried to roll the L? I, I did. Jackson. Welcome <laughs> to the Jackson Cloud. I'm Jamin. There's literally no R in any of that. How is that even possible? I'm Jamin. I'm Casey. And I'm Olivia. And today we are talking about Genesis. I'm literally looking for an R still. But you did say we're. We're. <laughs> All right, that was the first no, R. That's, that, that's is R not a popular letter? I thought it was in everything. I mean, no, it, it is. is. I thought it was letter. in every. It's not ever, in everything. Everything. Maybe it's just not always as pronounced. Jamin's trying to learn Spanish and rolling his R's. Whatever. I, I'm Jamin. We already, we already said that. went over this. Did we? Yes. Yes. Oh, this is going to be a weird episode. <laughs> I can already tell I'm not coherent. Okay. Oh, boy. We are... I don't, I don't know. Where are we? <laughs> Hang on. No, I was going somewhere with that. It wasn't supposed to sound like I'm still insane. I mean, well, I on, mean, from on, what you sent us before... On a scale of pandemic to end... Where are we? That's what I was going to ask. That's a good question. Because for about a year now, I've been saying, now that we're on the tail end of the pandemic, and it's been like, you know, 12 months of me saying that. So I'm like, are we? Are we in the middle? Are, yeah. If you're watching this like 100 years in the future, because YouTube still exists, talking about COVID, the, the day is October 14th of 2016. 20- 20, we, didn't, we didn't time travel? Maybe 2021. We, I don't think we should record anymore. It's going to be a super... 2021. And pandemically speaking, I've been saying we're at the end for a while, but I don't think we are. <laughs> you know? Or at least, like, health-wise, maybe, but, like, the, the like, results of the pandemic or, like, the aftershocks or effects. Well, I mean, we're following the... What was it? The 1918 pandemic pretty well at this point. And how long did that last? Three years. Three years. So we need like two or three more strains of COVID to come around. Pretty much. Before we all just forget this. I really hope that we're not at the halfway point. No, we're over the halfway point. But like... It's been a year and a half. That's the halfway point. (laughs) Well, but it... The three years was the end. The beginning was... The first half was the worst half. The second half was not as bad. Well, right, but that's still the halfway point. I mean, it's like 60% of the deaths happened in the first first half. 40% happened, you know, 33% happened in like the last half. These are official statistics. These are not. Straight making... from the brain of Casey. Here. <laughs> it was just from my memory of the first wave and the second wave was the worst part. And I think at this point we're past the second wave. Well, yeah. So, like, that was the most deadly point was that second wave aspect of that pandemic. But, you know, there was still kind of a third, fourth, and, you know, the flu is still here. So, however many waves of that pandemic 
you know, it still happens. And this pandemic's a little different because back then you didn't have the internet and a million thoughts and new theories plaguing your mind every single day that you woke up and read 20 different articles from 20 different sources from 20 different scientists you know <laughs> you you kind of found out back in the day that a pandemic was happening as people around you were passing away and then you were slowly like trying to figure out how are we getting this what's going on how do we stop it whereas this is internet blown like we're every day we're learning something new or learning we were wrong or learning we were right or learning to hone in on something um so i don't know if that extends it or shortens it or what because we're still in the middle or tail end or something of it hopefully not the beginning um i think we're well past the beginning yeah yeah well at least people live at this point like it's not the beginning but at the same time I feel like we're starting to experience some of the after effects, or at least I'm speaking from like a church perspective, you know, uh, like the, the week before the pandemic, we had like 80, 90 people at our dinner church. And the following Sunday, I checked the, the statistics last week, it was 14 people, you know, <laughs> like that's one week apart. And like three weeks ago at church, there was like 12 people. Out of maybe 30 or 40 who are still committed to uh, to the church where I pastor outside of Jackson Cloud. So when I'm looking at that, I'm like, okay, this is like an after effect still. Like um, we're still learning. I feel like a lot of churches right now actually are, are learning like how have we actually finally been affected. <laughs> like a year and a half in. Some people lasted throughout it. But now a year and a half in, we're like looking at her like, is this, is this like everyone's just exhausted now? Are people going to go back to church? So on and so forth. So it's like push after push, change after change, trying to learn what you got to do, how you're going to change stuff up and whatnot. Um, have you guys found that at least in your own lives or do things feel like in your particular spheres, like things are back to normal? I would not say things are back to normal yet. In my life. Because, like, a lot of the things I did pre-pandemic are, like, exhausting to do now. Like, I'm still, like, doing something, committing to anything for once a week is so hard. Like this is the Jackson Cloud where she commits once a week to recording. So I'm waiting, I'm well, waiting no. for the retirement speech no, no, to come No, 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 that's not coming. It's okay. We're what I'm here. trying to say, no, Jamie. No, it's just like, I mean, you've seen my church attendance this year. Uh, I don't show up every week. It's just... Well, you're not alone there. It's, it's... I don't show up. No, I'm just kidding. But I feel like it's not just church. It's like anything that I used to do once a week pre-pandemic, it's like trying to fit that back into my life is like hard. Yeah. Well, you, you had something that was habitual. This, I think maybe you remember, I don't know if I told it to you, I feel like I told it to everybody. <laughs> but when the pandemic hit and I realized like it was going to be at least two months long, <laughs> that was when I was like, People aren't going to come back to church. Like anybody in 2020 that was still going to church, it was only because they had the habit 
And what do you do after two months of not going to church, let alone a year and a half? Uh, who's going to hop back into that? Especially when church is sometimes known to not be exciting for an entire hour straight. Sometimes. Not usually. It's usually just grand. But sometimes. This is, this is sarcasm, you guys. You can... <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, which everybody's like, what the heck does this have to do with Genesis? I'm just... <laughs> I'm, I'm getting there. Today's a, a little less scriptural and a little bit more like thinking out loud based on what we're looking at. Reflective. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, because when, when did the famine end for Egypt and, and this whole Joseph story? Do you guys remember just from when you went through the Joseph story? Wasn't it seven years? Seven years. I think that was what the dream said, right? right. Seven fat cows and all yeah. that. So we've been waiting for Jake Joseph to get back with his family. That just happened. Mm-hmm. That's usually where our Joseph story ends in our head, right? It's like, yay, bookend. Right? Everything's back together. At what point into the famine mm-hmm. did he reunite with his family? Was wasn't it the two-year mark? Wasn't it two years? I don't remember... I don't remember if it specifically says how long it's been. I don't know. In my head, it's two years. But... I know they're coming to him because they're starving because of the famine. Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, how long it took them once the famine started to get to that point. Yeah. Well, one of the things I was thinking as I was reading this over today and reflecting on our current pandemic is I realize a pandemic is disease-based. Mm-hmm. But, like, a famine is, is pandemic in the sense that, like... When you don't have food. It affects everybody. Everybody's affected by it. You're all going through social change. You're all trying to figure out together how you're going to face this, survive this, so on and so forth. So when I was reading through Joseph and the famine earlier, uh, I was just like, man, this maybe this has some things to just ponder about for our own situation. Uh, Because Joseph, our bookend is usually, yeah, he got back together with his famine. The end of with Genesis. With his famine? He got back together with his famine, no leave. Okay. The end of Genesis. But actually, after they come in, uh, Joseph tells them, you got to tell Pharaoh that your shepherds, they hate shepherds. <laughs> Egyptians hate well, shepherds. Well, if that doesn't make you want to tell them, I don't know what well, will. Well, Joseph has, it seems, a ploy in mind. Is that there's like a nice part of Egypt with lots of like where they can take the livestock and all that. And the Egyptians will be like, you can go over there. And that's what Joseph wants is like, that'll be a nice piece of land for them. <laughs> so, okay. so Joe's like, you got to tell them that you're, you take care of livestock. So they come in and like, we take care of livestock. And sure enough, you're going to go over here. <laughs> and so they get a nice little hub of land and. In Egypt, where they continue taking care of their livestock, um, and the whole family moves in. And then Joseph continues to take care of what he was set up for with the famine. So with the famine, his family came into town like, we need food. Egypt has stocked up on food. We'll pay you. Shut up and take my money. Right. So that's exactly what happens for most people. But then the famine gets worse. And eventually, the Egyptians are coming up to Joseph, and uh, they're, they have to barter more than money, because now we're out of money. <laughs> you know, like, this is an agricultural world, too. So, 
you get your food from the work that you do and you get your money from selling the food that you've, you've gotten among other things. So when you've run out of food and now you don't have money also, you got to move on to, to something else. So the next stage that they get is Joseph eventually like all of Egypt's sufferings. Like, okay, uh, you guys are going to have to trade in your livestock then. And we'll give you food in exchange for your livestock. So Joseph is still trying to like help the economy his, work. Help, yeah, he's trying to like use what wisdom he can to to make things work. When I say wisdom, I know that we're not going to culturally agree with his wisdom here in a minute, but just keep going with it. They bring their livestock to Joseph and they give them food in exchange for flocks, herds, donkeys and uh um they they make this new deal. But when that year ended, the famine's still going. And so they come back like, we spent all the money again. And, and now you also have our livestock. What's the next thing we're going to do? Uh, uh, there's nothing left in the sight of, of you, Joseph, except our bodies and our land. And so uh, um, at this point, they say, buy us and our land for food. And we with our land will be servants to Pharaoh or slaves or indentured servants, however you want to phrase that. It's not a pleasant situation, but like that's, that's all they have left to give. And Joseph sees that as a, you know, they're like, give us seed that we may live and not die and that the land may not be desolate. So Joseph now has all of like Pharaoh through Joseph now has all their livestock, all their money. And now they're going to make this new exchange um, for all of their land and as well as them all kind of going into to servanthood, which was a, a normal thing. If you had debt back then, like even into the New Testament, slavery or servitude often became like, this is part of the way in which I pay it off. Which I understand, we don't agree with that, right? And the Bible, I'm not saying agrees with it here. This is Joseph just thinking of how to fix a situation. Um, but given their culture, since that was a norm, that was what they went to. So now Pharaoh owns everybody's land, owns people have to serve, owns all of their money, owns all their livestock. And they're trying to do what they can to take care of all of Egypt with all of these exchanges that they're, they're dealing with. So, <clears throat> eventually you end up with uh, um, these different kinds of deals. Okay, you guys can kind of like, I don't know if we call it tithe or taxing. Uh, but essentially like you give a fifth of what you have to Pharaoh and you keep the other fourths. So it's not just like straight up like you have no rights or anything, but like a, a kind of a deal worked out. And uh, you keep your food, but you give some back. And they, Pharaoh doesn't uh, put any kind of tax on the uh, um, priests of Egypt, which are not Yahweh priests. But this is actually similar to some of the thinking that they have when we do get Yahweh priests. Uh, is that they're supposed to live off of, like, when people bring sacrifices, yes, the best of the sacrifice goes to God, but then the priest will, like, eat some of that food that was brought in as a sacrifice. That's kind of how God takes care of 
of the priests and uh, um, things are worked out so that the priests can continue living while having a job taking care of God taking care of God not the right word serving God serving God yeah continuing to be in the ministry of the tabernacle and all that so I don't know just as I was reading through this I found it interesting Uh, we would read this in today's culture and be like oh Joseph you just like took over them in unethical ways but I think especially given that the people that made these deals with Joseph like they were in favor of these things you know culturally I think a lot of them were looking at this as like Joseph has blessed us and taken care of us and you have this Hebrew in the midst of all of Egypt <laughs> a Hebrew who like are considered uh, what was the word Pharaoh used in one of our last episodes? An abomination. It's an abomination to eat with a Hebrew. Now you have a Hebrew who's basically in charge of all the Egyptians. And saving all of their lives. Saving all of their lives. Albeit in a way that we don't like today, but in their culture, they were in favor of it. But better for us to like live is what they, they're thinking. And I know it, it it confuses me too as I was reading through this when I think of like our own world today. Like, did Pharaoh not already basically own all of their? <laughs> I think of Pharaoh as a dictator. Like, did he not? Could he not just have whatever he wanted? I guess the Egyptians had enough rights to like you know. I mean, yeah, he was a king. He was king over all of their land. Hmm. But I think there at least still was some property, private property ownership. Yeah. Well, not anymore. <laughs> well, right. But there was. Yeah. But even then, like, you could call that a tax. You also could call that, like, um, what is it called? When you produce, like, a piece of music and, like, you get money from royalties. royalties. Yeah. Like, that could have been one of the first establishment of very high, but royalties since it's going to the king. Mm. Yeah. Well, it is interesting to think that Joseph himself was a slave, had nothing, was in prison, and now look at him not only as uh, God kind of moved him up the social ladder, but like the people who oppressed him, he's, I, I don't know that I would say he's oppressing here. Some people would read this and say, or his ethics off. I'm not sure I get that feel in the way that it's being worded here. But maybe you could go that route if you wanted. Um, but now Joseph is reigning over over them and is in charge of basically all of Egypt at this point. See, the question I think becomes for whether his ethics are off or not is the aspect of is this an emergency or is this normal? Hmm. And I think in this case, we're definitely under emergency times yeah. where sometimes, you know... You have to band together to survive. And I think this is one of those cases. Yeah. And, of course, you know, as we've gone through our own pandemic, we've had our own banding together to survive. That, of course, is not slavery or, <laughs> or selling our land or anything like that. But it's the same, like, emergency, like, expectation that political powers are put in place to take care of us and not just benefit out of their own gain. Understanding that we might have to, like give some things up to take care of people around us through pandemic, you know. Um, It's a different situation from what Joseph's going through, uh, but emergencies, you see him, like, 
thinking and tweaking, trying to make sure that life can continue. And while it's not the greatest analogy, when I was reflecting about church, like that's exactly what I'm doing right now is with our Sunday services. When you got 12 people and you're preaching, preaching has a, a bit of a tone of acting to it. Not in the sense that I'm trying to like perform, but like I'm, you're on a stage. I'm you're on a stage. To entertain people. I'm trying to speak in a way that I don't sound like. Like you guys are gonna come over to my house after this. I'm not gonna talk to you the way I preach. Right. Because right. there's a certain like tone format format that you yeah. gotta take on when you're preaching. When you're doing that with twelve people, it feels as awkward as if you came to my house tonight and I preached at you. <laughs> you know, because there's about twelve of you, <laughs> and. Uh, it became this tweaking of, we're in emergency mode. Again, not a great analogy, just like reflective. What ways am I trying to find that Joseph here in emergency mode, trying to think of how to tweak things, trying to think of how to help even church survive, if you will, in a post-pandemic world where our habits are off the table, things are thrown out the window, and, and you got to feel like you got to start over from scratch. Unless you're a big church, in which case you just kept going just fine somehow. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's some interesting thoughts. I don't know to, to think about. And as for Joseph, uh, here's another thing I, I would say, though. I don't know that his ethics are off here since the people in this culture are asking him to do this. But what what happens to Egypt from here? Like, we're literally... Three chapters away from the end of Genesis, which means Exodus is about to start. Where is Egypt and Pharaoh at the start of Exodus? Totally different. Yeah. At this point, Pharaoh has just literally taken over every single thing that exists in Egypt. And I'm guessing that's still the paradigm at the start of Exodus. And there's no Joseph Yahweh follower, (laughs) except for Moses, who doesn't exactly know who... That doesn't count. Moses doesn't even know who Yahweh is yet. Right. Right. He runs into him at the burning bush and is like, who are you? (laughs) Yeah. So we talked in our last episode about how, like, blessing can, like, or just wealth in general can corrupt us and mess us up, especially if we're not taking care of people. Here, I think you see Joseph trying to take care of people in a, a different kind of way. But um, when we get to Exodus, it starts with, and then there arose a Pharaoh who had no idea who Joseph was. It's like history is faded. Nobody remembers the Hebrew that God favored and, and brought up. Nobody remembers the Hebrew who saved the Egyptians. There wouldn't even be Egypt anymore in Joseph's time if God had not. So what you're saying is the foundations were being set for that Pharaoh to come in Joseph's time. But because of the people that God put in place, they were able to, quote unquote, with great power comes great responsibility. So in this case, Joseph used that great power responsibly. But as time moved on... The power was not used responsibly. Yeah. I mean, think of a pharaoh who's raised up, doesn't remember his history, but's got all the wealth of the entire nation in his hands. What do you think is going to happen? And you don't have to work too hard to figure this out. <laughs> because we've... How many times have we seen? 
Uh, even throughout the Bible, it's a story over and over again. And then Manasseh, a 12-year-old, was put on the throne. <laughs> well, and he did everything wrong. <laughs> and I mean, even then, you can look at our own culture and the yeah. fact that, like, the person that usually makes the wealth and builds the big company, like, usually, they're usually kind of fantastic. But then usually when their kids don't have to work for anything, have that silver spoon that everyone always talks about handed to them, you know, and then they um, they usually turn out to be jerks. No. So uh, it would be the same way with Pharaoh, with his line. It would make sense. Yeah. Well, maybe even in politics, you have a new leader rise up who doesn't remember a bunch of the agreements and ideologies of old. And just totally goes their own route and puts in all of their own feelings and and old agreements are dishonored and uh, partnerships with other nations are just like ah screw that you know like it all just suddenly like falls apart and from your perspective I think even in an American perspective it might just be four to eight years but like you you go from one position of power to another position of power all the wealth of the world is before you. And it just suddenly has the capacity to go to your head, confuse your ideologies, confuse your partnerships, and and can just mess everything up. I mean, Watergate. What? Why is a the top leader of <laughs> of an entire country with all this wealth has to have more of it? <laughs> I, what even do you do with that? Or or Squid Game? <laughs> I haven't watched Squid Game yet, so I don't... You shouldn't. It's TVMA. It's not as bad as some TVMA, but, like, it's... Imagine Hunger Games... But in the fullness of what you would expect off-camera of Hunger Games, right? Everyone's combating for one thing, to be alive. Squid Games is like, if you win... Every person who died of these hundreds is worth like a million dollars. And every time one of them dies at the end of it, you get the whole pot. It's like, I don't know how much Korean money is, but it's like a billion or trillion dollars that you get at the end. It's like, why? What, what even, <laughs> that much money, what would you even do with that? And don't answer that. I know you've already got plans. <laughs> Look at that. That was the Grinch smile. Did you see that? <laughs> I literally just saw the curl of the Grinch show up. But like, you know, at what point is like money just like, what? this much money is only corruptive. Because what else could I do with it anyways? Why do I have to have that much? I just need to pay my bills. I don't need to like rule the world. So I don't know how we got into Squid Game out of that. It was Jamin's fault, though. It was totally Jamin's fault. Sorry, I've been doing a lot of graphic design this week with the TV on. So I watched all Squid Games. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, and with that, think about it. What does pandemic and wealth and forgetting your past and politics and Watergate? And Squid Games have to do with you. Let us know in the comments below as Olivia tries to wrap that one out. Be sure to join <laughs> us on the Discord. There will be a link in the description. And I'm still waiting for someone to beat me to the first comment of the video. Yep. Squid Games. 
See you. See you then. But, but what? Yeah, I don't. Don't watch Squid Game. No, it's inappropriate. Unless you have VidAngel. In which case, apparently, you can you can get rid of some of the... But here's, here's the thing. VidAngel lets you customize now what you... What you, how much violence and how, and I'm like, I think this ruins the point of the concept of I need clean material, but go ahead and leave this amount of blood in there. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't think that's the point behind it, but all right. We are not a sponsor of VidAngel, and that was not why I just saw an ad. Or half the other things that we talked about. <laughs> We're not a sponsor for anything. But if you'd like to sponsor us, please do. But uh, Snapple. You're drinking a Pepsi and talking about Snapple. I'm pretty sure Pepsi owns Snapple. Alright. It's probably more like, um, um, what's their face? What are those people who... Yes! Yes. Every time I try to escape Nestle, I'm I'm not going to eat chocolate because I don't want to endorse chocolate from these areas of human trafficking and so on. It's like... But I am going to buy kitty litter made by Ness. Wait a minute. <laughs> I can't get away from it. We are, we are so off topic. Bye. Bye. Bye.